Can you imagine the level of a mind that watches wrestling? The audience wants to see action, adventure, wrestling, and plenty of it. Big men in tights, you know the drill. Rammer Slammer. Welcome to Rammer Slammer. I'm Ben Flanagan, and you might have noticed that we took last week off, and I'm sorry about that for all of you Rammer Slammer listeners, but real life got in the way and we had to just take a break, but we're now back for episode 15, and it's a good one. I invite my brother Graham Flanagan, business insider producer up in New York City, to talk a little bit about the state of things in WWE. We recapped the last very busy week for the company, including the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, which I thought was really fun, and, and going back and watching it this past week and, and the individual matches, it was really good, and, and even the so-so matches, I thought, brought something to the table we also talk about the return of Seth Rollins, who I personally think is the WWE's number one guy, their MVP, and he has already put himself back in the main event picture, so we hope the guy is 100% healthy. We'll certainly find out at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view coming up later in June. And we talk about the announcement that SmackDown, WWE's Thursday night programming, will now be live. It'll be broadcast live every Thursday night on the USA Network, and, and we talk about how this is a big deal, and this could really change things with a possible brand split upcoming for the WWE. So there's a lot going on in the pro wrestling universe, specifically with WWE, and so now I welcome my brother, Graham Flanagan. This is Ben Flanagan with Rammer Slammer. I'm joined now by my brother and producer at BusinessInsider.com, Graham Flanagan. Graham, how are you? Doing well. Good. So a lot's happened since we last recorded Rammer Slammer. There's been a pay-per-view, Extreme Rules, which I thought was pretty fun. And then there's been some news bits, some really exciting stuff and some kind of sad stuff for hardcore wrestling fans out there. Notably, the releases of some of the company's most talented people. And, and we've addressed a few of those in past episodes, like Damian Sandow, obviously, and and, of course, we talked about Hornswoggle, which was a huge loss, but Cody Rhodes is another guy who's left the company, but he's a guy who requested his own request, his, his own release. So I know that there are a lot of wrestling fans who are sad about that, but I think he's so talented in the ring that he's going to find a home pretty quickly. So, anyway, the other news, Graham, that was recently announced is that SmackDown, the Thursday night show, the two-hour show that airs on USA, will now – be a live show it's going to be a live event a broadcast live to viewers and it previously has has taped i believe on tuesday night to air on thursday on usa at eight eastern seven central and the time slot won't change but it will be live now and that is a big deal for a few different reasons you have one specific reason in that it kind of raises the stakes of the program as opposed to what it was or what it is now just for a few more weeks as a taped show. So why do you think this is a good thing for WWE? Well, I think that, you know, a lot of the media coverage has characterized accurately, uh, in my opinion, SmackDown as, as skippable. You know, I certainly do not make an appointment viewing to watch SmackDown. I, I from time to time, pretty fairly regularly, we'll just read on the internet uh, the results of what of what happens on SmackDown, um, you know, and, and on and usually the day before or two days, uh, yeah, usually the day before it airs, 
just out of curiosity. So the fact that, you know, we live in the Internet age and, and when something is taped and, you know, you can easily find out the spoilers before it happens, it just takes the sort of relevance and the sense of urgency uh, out of the show completely. And it just ends up being like sort of a inconsequential house show that's taped. Uh, it rarely ever has any significant narrative contributions, um, you know, to the to the storylines. It, it's just sort of wrestling for the sake of wrestling, which is great. But now the fact that they're going to make it live means that we're seeing it as it happens, and it's gonna. It means that we're seeing changes happen as they occur, and and it's just it's great. Uh, for the product. That being said, I am concerned about about the the just initially the direction they're going in in terms of oh it's going to be a separate roster you know touching on this thing that they used to do back in the I guess what like the early 2000s where you had a Raw and a SmackDown two separate rosters. I don't really see what the point of that is. I feel like this is just an opportunity for them to to make people care more about the storyline too to make raw end in a cliffhanger every night and then pick it up the next night like that. I would tune into that to see what's going to happen based on what happened uh, at the end of raw. You know, now they have these, these cliffhangers at the end of raw and you have to, you know, that nothing's going to really be resolved on SmackDown. It's only going to be resolved on the next raw, which is a week later, or if there's potentially a pay-per-view that it's setting up. So it, it seems like even though this is great news, they're already sort of screwing it up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure a brand split is called for right now because I think WWE is kind of hitting a stride in terms of what its roster is delivering and to an extent what its writing staff and creative are delivering right now. I think they've hit a bit of a sweet spot in the post-WrestleMania months and and they've delivered two really good pay-per-views back-to-back and we're just getting really high-quality matches and old-school storytelling that I think is bringing audience back to WWE where they may have lost it. Obviously, they did. Ratings were down, so they bring back Shane McMahon, who who delivers this big match and stun at WrestleMania, but has obviously stuck around to be a big part of Raw along with Stephanie. And I think that, you know, despite their actual roles in in what's happening on that show and and at those pay-per-views, it's been good. It, it's it's worked, and now we have the return of Seth Rollins, and we have the upcoming return of John Cena, and I'm guessing Randy Orton probably comes back soon. Neville is another guy who is missing right now, and, and they're just a handful of guys who are are injured and, and will soon be back on the roster, and they're going to have uh, some decisions to make on their hands when it comes to who they give these matches to, these storylines to, how, how they figure into the bigger picture, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh airtime to share among this huge roster which seems to get bigger and bigger as they call up these NXT people but no I think you make a lot of great points about why this is a good thing for SmackDown I mean the live broadcast certainly gives it a, a different energy a sense of urgency it does raise the stakes you know you can always kind of feel the taped element to SmackDown if you watch it week to week and and that's something that comes off as a little hokey at times, the way they edit certain things, I think especially promos, the way they cover up 
certain aspects of the live feeling, especially hiding the booze with piped-in cheering, especially when it comes to Roman Reigns and the reactions that he gets from fans at SmackDown. So that's something that they're not going to be able to really hide anymore, and then that's going to that's going to make SmackDown kind of interesting again. But our, our friend Ben Stark pointed out via text today that, like you said, with this brand split, you're going to have these sort of MVPs per night, per show. So Monday Night Raw, Roman Reigns is going to be the man in SmackDown. John Cena, once he returns, will sort of be the man and the guy who headlines week to week on SmackDown. And, and like you said, I don't know if that's the, the, the best thing in the world to do in terms of a brand split, but SmackDown probably does need a shot in the arm. Switching to live is good, and also putting an A-lister sort of at the forefront of that programming and giving him a lot to do and hopefully figuring him into interesting story, storytelling and narratives and storylines, that's probably a good thing too. Okay, so so you're saying that he will be sort of like the mainstay A-list headliner for that's, SmackDown. That's the word on the street right okay. now. It hasn't been confirmed, but I think that could be good, and mm-hmm. it would make it would make SmackDown, I think, more of a priority. And I, I don't think that means that we won't see Roman Reigns on SmackDown and we won't see John Cena on Monday Night Raw. You have to put John Cena on Monday Night Raw to your WWE, right? But he is a guy who will get you. Ratings. He's a guy who is loved and hated. He's he's still pretty polarizing, but I think for the most part, people really like John Cena. He draws viewers. He draws people to the live events, and, and I think he's like he's going to be a mainstay on both because he's still the face of the company, no matter how big a push they try to give Roman Reigns. And honestly, I, what what they could do with this brand split more than anything is develop a feud between John Cena and Roman Reigns. And, 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 again, quite honestly, I think that's probably going to be a big way they can win fans over because of how polarizing John Cena is. Roman Reigns is is really polarizing right now and that there are a lot of smart fans out there who still don't want his push to happen, don't want him to be the face of the WWE moving forward and pitting him against a guy like John Cena, whom they also – kind of hate. I think for the most part, people come around on him, especially during the great matches he puts on, but I think that could create an interesting dynamic where fans don't really know who to cheer for. Yeah, I mean, look, to me, it's just, I feel like if they do try, you know, to me, it's a horrible idea, this brand split. It's like, just have another show. Just make it part two. Now people care about SmackDown, you know, and, and Hopefully they'll try this brand split and then they'll realize that fans would, it would be better for, for the product overall if they just continued the story that was set up in raw on SmackDown the next night. And hopefully they'll, you know, figure that out eventually or just sort of hear the fans or sort of see that the narrative would, would benefit from getting sort of making, setting it up as sort of a, a setup and a payoff every week where raw can just be sort of the beginning of a new chapter every week where you have this immediate payoff. Um, it's just, you know, we want more. Fans obviously are responding to having NXT on a Wednesday. You know, it's, it's, that's, a, that's a great, that's a solid uh, hour of product every week. And so fans want more wrestling. They want more, uh, they want more story. They want more opportunities to see work uh, in the ring. They want more opportunities to see, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not fair that, that these guys only get one chance on Raw with these tiny, quick little segments. To, to tell a story, and if it works, it works. If not, it doesn't, and then they have, they have to wait until next week. It's like now they have this whole other two-hour show 
to to continue narratives to straighten things out and to work more. Um, hopefully they take advantage of this and and don't you know just because Raw and SmackDown were split 15 years ago or whatever doesn't mean that that's the answer now. And and sure, give it a shot, but if if it's not working, you know, acknowledge it's not working and just adapt and go with the flow. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. You know, what's interesting about the the Tate SmackDowns is you mentioned that. It, it basically defined SmackDown often week to week as a skippable product, something that you didn't have to watch. I think for a lot of people, that did them favors. It cleared up their Thursday nights if they didn't have to watch two hours of a forgettable SmackDown. Now you're just going to have to watch and see what happens for yourself. There aren't going to be those Bleacher Report recaps or, or whoever to, to let you know this was a pretty weak episode of SmackDown, yeah. so you're better off just deleting it from your DVR regardless. Yeah. So I don't know. I think in, in, in some ways it can create a headache, but I think if 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 and when John Cena is the face of this Thursday night live show, it will probably only sort of inspire them to do better and, and give people something worth watching week to week. Yeah. So hopefully they hopefully they figured it out and you know they, they hopefully they figure it out I should say and and it's it is great that now we they do sort of have the wind at their backs with the return of some of their top talent. You mentioned John Cena, and now Seth Rollins is back in the mix. Yep. Speaking of which, Seth Rollins, at the end of Extreme Rules this past Sunday night, we finally got the big return from who I think is the MVP of the WWE right now, or has been anyway, during his title run, a guy who is great in the ring, hilarious on the mic, a great bad guy, a great foil to all of the good guys on the WWE roster, and just what I what I think has been a terrific face for the company, some somebody that Vince McMahon obviously had a lot of confidence in and that he pivoted the night everybody thought Roman Reigns was going to have his big moment and, and night to shine and become the face of the company at WrestleMania 31, but nope, Seth Rollins steps in and, and he wins the championship and he goes on a roll. Again, it's the face of the company, and there are a lot of people I know who would say, well, he was the face of the company when they started to, to nosedive in the ratings and stocks and and what have you, but I don't know, just as a pure wrestling fan and somebody who who loves the business and and loves the WWE, I just think Seth Rollins is the total package, and I think they've been missing him ever since then, even though they they have done what they've had to do in the wake of all of these injuries that they've had. Graham, were you excited when he came back at Extreme Rules and in, in, in the subsequent Raw that aired do you think they handled his comeback well, and are you excited for the potential of where this could go now? To me, of course I'm excited, just because he is a future Hall of Famer. You know, in the last two or three years, he's he's already put in the work to just etch his name, you know, in, on that list. And and I mean, it's he's he's it hasn't even hit his prime yet. So he's a, he's amazing on the mic. He's one of the best workers in the company. Um, maybe that the company has ever seen uh, just overall. So, I mean, we, we don't even, I don't even think we've seen his full potential and hopefully he stays healthy. So of course I'm excited that he's back. I was not crazy about the way it was handled. I, he got a big pop when he, when he snuck into the ring and beat Roman down uh, after he defended his title in a great match against AJ Styles. I had hoped personally that, you know, we would get his music, his music would hit out of nowhere, which I, I think is always the more effective way to, to bring somebody back or to surprise the audience in the WWE is to hit that music, you know, because you, that lets people know, oh, we're, he's back, he's back. So you get that pop when you hear the music, 
Then you get a second pop when the when the uh, the performer finally it reveals himself or herself, and then you get that second even bigger pop, and then you get like the the whole buildup of what's going to happen when they walk to the ring. So I prefer that they they decided to go with the sort of you know blindside out of nowhere comeback, and and it, while it did get a pop, it's like okay, you know that that's one way to go about it, and. They ended the show like that. That's fine. But then, and then, what does that lead to? It leads to okay. Then they open the the raw with his with his uh, music, gets a pop. But it's not like it was a surprise. Everybody knew that Rollins was going to figure into the show one way or another. And you know, then he comes out and he and he he comes out there, and it was very interesting because obviously he's a he's basically even though he's a heel, he's a babyface in terms of the fact that the fans love him. Um, but it's, it's really interesting that WWE creative and Seth Rollins are very conscious of this fact and they need, it's just so obvious with the way that it played out, the way that his character tried to get the audience to hate him, that they're, they're like, we need to pivot his character to be a heel. We need, we, because we obviously have a storyline where he's the bad guy here. And we can't have him be the baby face. And so they're obviously fighting the natural order of things in terms of how the the crowd loves him. And so they're just they're giving him so much uh, cheap heat in, in how they get him to insult the crowd, tell him they don't make him tell the crowd that he doesn't need them, that he's better than them, et cetera, et cetera. It's interesting that they're really forced. They're, they're basically shoving it down the crowd's throat in that, they need him to be a heel, even though it's just it's obvious that the crowd missed him and they love him. It's it's a very interesting scenario and we're only very tonight on SmackDown I saw it. Did you see his promo tonight on SmackDown? No, I haven't watched it yet. Okay. I'll I'll just give you the quick bullet points because he, he comes out there and and basically cuts like a two minute promo where he, he walks out and he's like he just he's in a suit. He says, Did you miss me? He gets a big pop. And then he says, well, I didn't miss you. <laughs> Something to that effect and just walks out of the ring. Very funny, you know. But, again, just a, another exercise in, in trying to get the crowd to be against you. And why? To what end? He's already been booked in this main event at Money in the Bank against Roman Reigns. Do they think that if they if he tries to get the crowd to hate him, that that'll make the crowd like Roman Reigns more? It seems <laughs> like we're just getting buried even deeper in this Roman Reigns Babyface quagmire that we've been in for for now ever since that Royal Rumble uh, now almost two years ago, uh, so we'll see. But you know, either way, it's great that Seth Rollins is back. I can't wait to see him in the ring. And you know, anytime it's, he's on the mic, it's like must see TV. Uh, anytime he's in the ring, it's must see TV. So it's exciting. But already you can see signs of WWE creative just just really just already screwing it up. You're 100% right on the comeback and the need for his theme song and his theme music because, I mean, that's just how you make a comeback, and that's how all the great comebacks and, and these these just historic returns have happened. And, you know, honestly, I felt bad for the people at the live event, at Extreme Rules, especially, you know, sitting up in the nosebleeds when this person just runs into the ring. It's like, wait, what's going on? And, you know, we have a, you know, a close-up of the action I mean, if you're in that building and Rollins' music hits, you know exactly what's about to happen and, and who's there, who's back. And, I mean, this guy was, again, he was the face of the company, champion, and every, like you said, everybody loves him. The first notes of that music is just going to get people 
they're, they're just going to go nuclear when they yeah. do that. And like yep. you said, I mean, he, he still got a huge reaction, especially after he hit Roman Reigns with the pedigree and knocked him out. Everybody's going nuts doing the yes chant. They're so glad to see him. And maybe more importantly, they're so happy to see him just knock Roman Reigns out of the picture. Roman Reigns out of the picture in, in, you know, in that, in that moment. And honestly, you know, to, to make on a side note, one little quibble, I just am so sad that in, in the, the months during his absence, what did he say? Like it was like more than 200 days, you know, more more than almost a third of the year, two thirds of the year, he's out of action, and he's still doing the pedigree. This this ridiculous finisher that he inherited from Triple H after they they ruled out the curve, outlawed the right. curve. Um, you know, it's just I don't know. Like it's, I, I just think it's a weird move to, to to give, like you said, one of the greatest workers in the company's history a recycled finisher. From from a guy who who obviously whose legacy is very important to himself and his his father in law, it's just it's weird. Let this guy come up with his own finisher that that he can do. Maybe he's not ready to do a super, some, anything super acrobatic or super challenging, still recovering from the knee injury. But you know, again, well, look at all look at all the finishers of all of the the members of the the Shield. Okay, uh, like you just said, Seth Rollins is using an active WWE wrestlers finisher the pedigree then you have dean ambrose his finisher is a ddt <laughs> and then then roman reigns's finisher is is goldberg's finisher well it was the and then up the goldberg's finisher well oh, right okay i'm sorry i forgot about the jackhammer but i'm just but, saying like that that makes it look even yeah. worse in that your finisher right. is somebody's setup. <laughs> right yes exactly right you're exactly right and i apologize uh to all the Goldberg purists out there, that I that I would refer to the spear as the finisher, uh, but you knew that once Goldberg hit the spear, you weren't kicking out of a jackhammer. But the, the jackhammer was essentially an encore, in my opinion, to the spear. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's like, but yet then you have all these wrestlers who actually have cool finishers, like AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, all these people, and it's just basically expected that. Those those somebody their opponent is going to kick out of those now. Like no finisher is a finisher anymore. And now I you're see right. That so much, and it's so sad. So it's like, yet you have these finishers from these guys in the Shield, which are all these weak cycled finishers, and those are true finishers. Like <laughs> it's very rare that somebody's going to kick out of one of Roman Reigns' spears, you know, which is ridiculous when you have like an awesome. Uh, you know, you have the, the, the phenomenal forearm by AJ Styles, which is amazing. And then, you know, Roman Reigns kicks out of that easily. It's just this, it's, there's so many issues right now with creative. And it's like, it's just one of those things that if you let, if you obsess about it and let it get to you, you'll, you're just going to drive yourself insane. Um, the, 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 the positive thing is there's just so much talent, especially in terms of on the mic, just raw talent there that, you know, Regardless of what Vince McMahon or Kevin Dunn and all these writers and bookers are doing behind the scenes, these guys are, are really solid. So you have to think the potential is there, and the odds are they're going to do something special and entertaining. Yeah, you know, it's weird because Rollins has so many moves in his arsenal, including this, like, sick moonsault that he's busted out on a couple of occasions where he just – it's kind of like a, a, a variation on – Neville's red arrow. It's just a right. really cool move. And then he's got this, oh man, I, what I wish was his finisher instead of the stupid pedigree is mm-hmm. 
this thing where he does a superplex off the top rope, and then he immediately picks the person back up and does, like, this other suplex, like this inverted body slam thing. Like, immediately, once they hit the canvas, it's just yeah. really awesome. Like, that is a finisher right there. But, I mean, yeah, AJ Styles has a ton of great moves, and I think the phenomenal form is one of the best finishers right now in, in the WWE. I like Kevin Owens' pop-up powerbomb. I like, again, I think the Red Arrow is freaking awesome. I mean, there there are just a ton of of guys who have good finishers. But I, I agree with you. I think that they're, they've devalued finishers so much mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. people just kick out of them like they're nothing anymore. It's like back in the day, once somebody got hit with, you know, the flying elbow or even the, you know, the stone cold stunner, right. that's one, two, three right there. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. it, it, the crowd will react to it. Now it's like if, if somebody even hits, like if Owens even hits the pop-up power bomb, there's no guarantee that that person's going to stay down. Right. And if, if the Miz hits the, 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 what the skull crushing finale, somebody's yeah. probably kicking out of that. And he's going to yeah. match with a roll up instead. You know, yeah. like give these finishers some weight. You know, that adds to the stakes of these matches. If once they hit those, this thing might be over. Yeah, and I, you know, and I'm going to be honest. I this problem was was you know made evident to me by listening to you know Stone Cold's podcast where he he bitches about it, and then he'll bitch about also, uh, and then you just see it because it's just so obvious now. It's like he hit the finisher, but he kicked out what, and that just happens over and over again, and it it just devalues the the whoever that performer is their ability to kick out of the finisher because it happens all the time it devalues or de-shines the finisher itself and then you have people uh tapping out to these these submission moves that aren't even cinched up properly you know <laughs> so it's just it, it's so sad that the creative these the creative negatively impacts the the work you know uh yeah I don't love the submission moves these days. I don't like that they tap out as opposed to just giving up. I think that there's been a negative influence from MMA on on WWE for, for the submission moves to, to seem more realistic as if these folks are actual fighters. You know, I just – I don't like that dynamic. I think it's better as a contrast, and I, I think it's better when you see WWE and professional wrestling as sort of this fantasy world where all of this stuff is possible, and I don't know. that that That's, again, kind of a minor quibble, but no, I agree. I mean, I think the finishers have, have taken a step back, and it's just weird, you know, when when these mid-carters have better finishers than the the upper-tier folks, like like even even John Cena, you know, with the attitude adjustment. I mean, he'll, he'll hit, sometimes he'll hit somebody with like six attitude adjustments, and they'll kick out of all of them. And yeah. it's just like, well, what does it do? You know, like, does does it do anything at all? I mean, the the best mm-hmm. the best finisher from like one of these upper tier guys is probably the F five. You know, from Brock Lesnar, it's just a brutal move. But even yeah. him, like, even if he's in a match, obviously with the Undertaker, so and in these high stakes matches, it's not unusual for somebody to kick out of a right. finisher, right? I mean, that's just the the swerve that they go with. And that's okay. I just think it's done too often, even on an episode of, like, Raw or something. I think that's why you should bring back jobbers, to be honest with you. And we've seen <laughs> a little bit of that. Because, like, once – I mean, you just should have these matches that, that go by pretty quickly, and they're over right when they hit the finisher. And, and that's how – you know, that's how you make somebody look good. That's how you mm-hmm. make their, their move or their arsenal look impressive and intimidating. Now, when Dolph Ziggler hits the zigzag – Somebody's probably kicking out of it on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. Somebody's probably kicking out 
of all of all of Cesaro's moves and finishers and things like that. Yeah. And again, they they end in roll ups or they end in disqualifications, and it just kind of it kind of takes the air out of the in ring action. You know, I was, I was watching SmackDown tonight, and I was just so frustrated about a lot of things. Even though I'm excited, Rollins is back, Cena's coming back eventually. You know, Neville will come back, and it's just there's a lot to look forward to. But man, I'm I'm thinking, I I think I I really want I want the seeds to be planted for a Disney esque Lucasfilm takeover of WWE by some entity who will bring in who will just make Vince McMahon an offer he can't refuse. And and then bring in that J.J. Abrams who will restore order to the to the galaxy. Because I mean, how long is this going to go on for? Do, you, do we really think that Vince and company are ever going to like get it right? Because all we can do now is just look back at at how it used to be in the good old days, uh, and and remember that you know, and and judge everything we see now by like what we liked back then. But like, how long can we do that before we've got to see just a, a sea change? Is that even possible? That's maybe just too much to ask, but I I just want to plant that seed now because it's I feel like that that at this point that's the only way it's going to work. Well, Vince McMahon is the guy who buys out the 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 the, the, the wrestling companies, right? He's he's the one who did that on his way to the top of the industry. I mean, he he monopolized it essentially, and I just don't see anybody buying out Vince McMahon. I think I think he's going to be in charge of WWE until he doesn't want to be anymore. And, and, and quite honestly, that's probably going to be at the end of his life, you know, and he's certainly earned that. He's made pro wrestling what it is today and what it, what it was for all of those years. He's, he's the king, king of the ring, if you want to, if you want to call him that. But look, I mean, the person who's going to inherit this is, is, is likely going to be Triple H. You know, he, he's going to mm-hmm. be the heir apparent to the WWE. And people who aren't fans of Triple H, I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Triple H. That that prospect doesn't seem like the greatest thing in the world unless you factor in the way NXT has been run and, and the way that it has developed and the way they've developed talent and, and the way that they've reemphasized and, and put more stock in, in the in-ring storytelling if, if – NXT is any indicator of how Triple H would run WWE, then WWE is probably in good hands. But if, if for whatever reason, he inherits it and he just keeps making himself champion in WrestleMania main eventer over and over, then that doesn't sound like a great future for WWE. I tend to think that he'll probably go that NXT route and just apply it to WWE. Don't you think that would be good for the business? Absolutely, but they're two different things, you know, they're two different products, they're two very different stages, um, and, you know, you're dealing with with uh, rosters where, with a lot of, you know, where the, the stakes are a lot higher, different egos, now we're seeing them just, the two start to blend together a lot more, so that could happen. They're two very different products, they're starting to blend together, but yeah, hopefully we do see more of, uh, especially applying you know, crowd reaction and using that as a gauge for where creative goes. But, you know, and I, I agree with everything you said, but in terms of Vince McMahon, I agree with you there too. But, man, you, you're, it sounds like you're describing George Lucas. <laughs> we do owe him. He did create the Star Wars universe. He did cr- create all these characters and give, give the, you know, all these creative people a platform on which to, to, you know, play out all these amazing stories and fantasies. But what, when did George Lucas decide to just that it was time to walk away and let go 
and hand off creative control to a new group of people, you know. I'm sorry. I know I'm being sort of doomsday scenario right now, but even I feel like it, so much has been screwed up. Like even like Brock Lesnar, that 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 was horribly paid off. This Shane McMahon thing horribly paid off. You know, the great setup, but no no payoff, no closing. And I'm I'm just getting tired of it. Uh, you know, I feel like we we deserve more. You know, I, I feel like you need to just get more talented hands creatively and 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 workers. Uh, they owe the audience a, a better product, and I'm starting to kind of think like, all right, you're you're, you're 70 years old. You how many how much more money can you possibly make? Like somebody needs to come along. He, either he needs to walk away and continue to make money from it, or somebody like some conglomerate needs to be like, hey man, here's five billion dollars cash. <laughs> you know, take it and just go. We got this. You know, we we will never. We we just like with Star Wars, we we will preserve the legacy of this. We only want to make it better. Like we've got a lot of people that know what to do, and we you know we will be so careful and and reverent with this thing. But you got to go if we want this to, to if, if we want to make progress. So yeah, so, so you're, you're saying somebody that some conglomerate has to grab the brass ring, as it were. <laughs> uh, finally, yeah, you know, I, I see Vince McMahon is a little more stubborn than. Than George Lucas in that regard, and you know, that's it's, that's it's, scary. Well, it just seems like it's probably sort of a from my cold dead hand situation right. with him, right. you know. And <clears throat> like I said, I mean, if if we if we look to the future with Triple H at the helm, you know, like what professional wrestling, especially the WWE, is like the longest just running continuity in the history of entertainment, unless you want to factor in like you know maybe comic strips or something like that or, or you know, the radio. I, I have no idea. I mean, this thing has just been going on and on and on, and there's been a long history of disappointment and, and bad mm-hmm. payoffs or no payoffs whatsoever. I totally agree with you. There's there's too much of that right now, but that's just kind of professional wrestling and kind of the way it's always been. And, you know, sometimes that happens. For the most part, I think we're we're satisfied and entertained, but there, there have always been unsatisfying payoffs, and there always will right. be. Unfortunately, right. you know, again, though, if you refer to NXT, like, there's there's often a lot of closure to, to the storylines for these these up-and-comers because there, there's an end game for them in that it's graduating to the WWE. And so that sort of closes the book on their stay at NXT. So that gives you a, a sense of hope in terms of that sort of creative mindset translating to WWE. But once you're at WWE, there's nowhere to go. That That is the end game. That That's where they all want to be. There's no higher place unless you're just talking about working your way up the card and up the roster. But I don't know. I, I see a bright future if, if that's the case, but it might take a while. But still, Vince McMahon's capable of doing great things. I mean, if you look at some of the past couple of WrestleManias, WrestleMania 30, obviously with the big Daniel Bryan, the underdog winning and, and having this big, huge fan favorite moment, that's great. If, with WrestleMania 31, the pivot where you send Mr. Money in the Bank, that Rollins down with this just nuclear, exciting moment, and he takes over the pay-per-view, that's great. That's, these are decisions that come from the top, you know, in the moment from Vince McMahon. So you know that he's at least capable of still delivering on big moments on the biggest possible stage. So he's still capable, but like you said, I mean, maybe maybe it is time for some sort of sea change. And, and with this quote-unquote new era in the WWE, they, they have so many young faces, these men and women who seem to be 
the next wave, the next generation ushering in this, yes, new era in WWE. It's exciting to see what he might do with them and what kind of potential he sees in them when it comes to the big picture and the top of the card because you've got guys like Seth Rollins and, and Kevin Owens and, you know, Sami Zayn, and you've got the Nakamura's in NXT right now who are ready to hit the big stage. But we'll see if he relies on the old dogs, right, where you have John Cena and Randy Orton and, and these guys who are sticking around. And, and even though, you know, they're getting injured and maybe getting up there in years, they're still Vince McMahon's guys. And as long as they're around, I mean, guys like Sheamus are unfortunately going to win money in the bank. So it remains to be seen. It does. It's going to be an interesting summer for sure. They're sort of at crossroads. Is I just hope everybody stays healthy. It's just they have. This has been a really rough stretch for them, and uh, you've got to hope that these guys can. You know, they're they're gonna they're totally gonna be uh, pushing themselves and trying to go for the big the big spots because that's what the crowd wants and that's what the crowd needs. But man, just got to hope that they can can figure it out and and uh, and stay healthy. Well, Graham, quickly, my last thing here is the next pay-per-view is Money in the Bank. And we yeah. all we, we, we know that once Seth Rollins returned, he immediately found out on Raw that he and Roman Reigns are going to be in the main event, which is great. I'm, I'm so glad that Seth Rollins is going to be back in the main event. It's what we need right now, and I think they're going to put on a hell of a match because I think Roman Reigns tends to put on really good matches at these pay-per-views. The past two have been excellent with AJ Styles, and he's going to be in the ring with somebody who, who's arguably even more athletic than, than AJ Styles and Seth Rollins, you know, depending on the level of the health of his knee, which I hope mm-hmm. is at 100%. But there's also that money in the bank ladder match, and, and that'll yeah. determine who has the briefcase, who can cash in, and maybe they'll have as big a moment as Seth yep. Rollins did at WrestleMania 31. And we know some of the participants in that match, in Kevin right. Owens and Cesaro, and and I believe Sami Zayn will be in the match, but so there are some interesting participants. Jericho is in there, and on SmackDown we'll find out at least one yeah. more of the qualifiers. So is there anybody right now like that has already been named a qualifier or hasn't been that, that you hope to see win it and possibly contend with Reigns, with Rollins, with whoever at the, the top of the card and, and can be that next star? Uh, Kevin Owens. It's got to be Kevin Owens. I mean, I just want to see him with that briefcase and just have him toy with the crowd about, you know, have him walk down the, 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 the ramp and, and, maybe suggest he's going to cash it in, but then back off. I just think he would be, he would just play that so well, uh, just like Rollins did. And I just think that, that he's, he's got to be the guy. Yeah. You know, he, 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 to me in Rollins absence, he has been the MVP for WWE. I think the guy's amazing. He's arguably the, the best on the mic. Now that Rollins is back, that's probably not true, but he's so good in the ring. He is such a natural storyteller he has great charisma he's hilarious when he's a guest commentator everything mm-hmm. he does is in is in service of the product and in yep. service of telling the story and entertaining fans he doesn't he does not care how bad he looks how mad he makes the crowd mm-hmm. he knows how to get under the skin of people and and honestly graham i think that there's potential for a rock Austin level dynamic between him and Seth Rollins. I think yep. both of these guys are just lightning in a bottle talent who could play off of each other so well and play to they, they play to the crowd as well as anybody I think in the history of the business. I don't think it can necessarily reach the heights of what those guys did in the Attitude Era. That's historic stuff we're talking about here. But I think those guys are talented enough to do something 
like that. So I'm with you in that I hope that it's Kevin Owens. I just fear that they're they're going to play this Owens-Zane rivalry out as long as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. And, and look, to their credit, it's really good. Those guys are telling great stories together, and they've got such a long history. But eventually it's going to run its course, and they're going to be in too many matches, and then you're going to get people sort of whining about it, it going on too long, no matter how good the matches are. It's time to move on at some point. And now you've got to give Owens an opportunity to to have his seat at the 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 adults table, right? I mean, oh, yeah. he's gone long enough as this upper mid Carter in the IC title discussion. I mean, give him the boost that you obviously gave somebody like Seth Rollins, where it's like, look, this guy's so talented, he has to be at the top. And so now Kevin Owens, I think, is part of that discussion, and hopefully, yeah, he wins it. I have kind of a, a, an outside the box prediction. I know that. With John Cena's return on Monday night, people are predicting that he's just going to go right back into the U.S. title situation with Rusev and just have that rivalry all over again, let him win the U.S. title and have open challenges. I just don't really understand recycling that storyline and recycling that idea. And I have this yeah. weird, I have this weird, strange inkling that it would be kind of interesting if somebody like John Cena won Money in the Bank and you yeah. turned it into a triple threat rivalry between him. Reigns and and obviously Rollins. I mean, John Cena is yeah. a headliner. John Cena is probably not done main eventing WrestleMania, so I think you've got to give him opportunities too, and that could create a dynamic where you give an yeah. A-lister like that potential to shake things up. That'd be great, and then have Kevin Owens like on the outside as the fourth wheel, saying, "What about me?" <laughs> you know, then you then you can set up for some. Some nice like filler tag matches uh, building with you know during whatever build you're, you you got with uh, Cena Ro- Cena Reigns versus Rollins Owens and that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I mean there there are lots of options. And again, Owens has just been on fire. I mean I, I don't know if you saw the Fatal Four Way at Extreme Rules, but I mean once the bell rung, Sami Zayn immediately hit Kevin Owens with his finisher that that kick. <laughs> in the corner of the ring, and Kevin Owens just falls out of the ring, and everybody <laughs> just stares at him. And that is the opening seconds of the right. match. Again, this guy, he just, all he cares about is wrestling, obviously. Yeah. All he cares about is telling these stories. So in terms of the work that he's done so far, he again, he's earned his seat at that yep. table, and, and pretty much anything this guy does is going to be gold. So I say just go ahead and give it to him. Absolutely. All right, Graham. Well, unless there's anything else on your mind, I think we've we've covered all we need to cover this week. Anything else from you? No, I'm just I love Money in the Bank. I love the lead up. I love the event itself, um, and I love the fact that it can have a major impact on on the entire year following, like the lead up to WrestleMania. was wrong. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, what was this last one? Sheamus? Come on. I mean, that was a that was a disaster. So hopefully. Uh, Hopefully they'll they'll learn from their mistakes and see the potential of it and and really uh, cash in so to speak. Yeah, they're on a roll right now. I think the last couple of pay per views since WrestleMania have been really good, and, and now that they've got somebody as good as Rollins back in the mix, I have faith that this one's going to be just as good. Well, all right, Graham. Thanks for talking this out with me. Thank you. Talk soon. Rammer Slammer is produced and edited by Ben Flanagan for the Alabama Media Group and AL.com. Find us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Rammer Slammer. Thanks for listening. Hi there, I'm Dave Willis, the crying wrestling fan from Tosh Photo and YouTube, and you're listening to Rammer Slammer right here on AL.com. Let me tell you, Rammer Slammer, it'll still be damn it.